and welcome to the second season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Erin Herschler. Erin is a theater composer, soprano, and musical director whose work has been performed with the Missouri Contemporary Ballet, St. Louis Symphony Musicians, and performers at New York University, the University of Missouri, Grinnell College, and Stevens College. She earned a Bachelor of Music in Composition from the University of Missouri and currently attends the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program at NYU's Tisch School for the Arts. We're going to talk today about the women of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Hey Erin, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. So we're going to get started with our get to know our guest questions. What is the last great musical you saw and why? The Prom. It was really just a really inviting experience. Mm -hmm. Like I felt kind of like a part of it in a way, which is only something I've heard other people like talk about and yeah. not really understand what they right, mean. I'm right. like, what do you mean you feel a part of it? Like you're sitting here. And I like the way they combined the two worlds uh-huh. in, it, in a way that I just never saw coming. Interesting. Um, yeah, I got to get my, my ticket for that. It's been on my list to see. And I went in with no expectation because I, not like I didn't expect it to be good, but I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was going to be right. like and what my experience was going to be. But I just, I had the best time. Oh, great. Unlike real prom, yes, I, had, <laughs> I had a great time and want to go again. <laughs> what older or classic show did you recently see for the first time, and what was your experience with it? Uh, earlier this fall, I saw Steinhardt's Trouble in Tahiti, which I had never seen before. I'd only listened to, and yeah, yeah I really liked it. It's still very, very relevant. Yeah. Plenty of cold, distant marriages still in, you know, 2018, yeah. and... Um, it's a little timeless in that way, I thought. There's an opera, A Quiet Place, oh. um, that enfolds, is, is kind of like a continuation of that right. um, opera, and it kind of enfolds some of the music yeah. um, into that, that, from that. So I did see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a, I feel like I need to revisit that now, because I remember really liking it too, like the music's mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. And that's um, Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, and the trio, that the kind of the Greek chorus mm-hmm. throughout it, which there's something about having like a three-person Greek chorus and yeah. like a two-person main cast. And just, yeah. the, just that they're outnumbered, but it's still a small cast that, I don't know, I that dynamic was something I can't think of too many other right. pieces that employ. And so it was pretty interesting. And Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which writers, uh, both of the past and working today, do you admire most? I'm trying to get into, like, really, really old stuff mm-hmm. more and more. Like, I, you know, um, have been, like, a big Sondheim person, just, like, literally everyone, but I'm trying to look into, like, who his influences were mm-hmm. now, kind of appreciating, especially before, like, the book show, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and, um... Like Dorothy Fields and Compton and Green and whatnot, and trying to um, kind of learn more about mm-hmm. those writers because, like, you know, yeah, it's all cumulative and it's mm-hmm. like important stuff. Um, 
And working today, Janine Tesori. Yes. Definitely. Um, what is a musical you feel like you should know or have seen but haven't? Okay, do you want like my real answer? It's so bad. I, it's so bad. It's fine. No, everybody <laughs> has stuff they haven't. This seen. is like my the most shameful thing. Dear Evan Hansen. Oh well, I mean it's kind of understandable because it's hard to get tickets. It is hard to get tickets, but it's like well then I should be listening to it more, and I've listened to it like twice. I really don't know it as well as I should for it being, you know, the, it got yeah. the Tony well, and whatnot. And admittedly, I haven't seen Hamilton, and that's like one of the biggest well, right. musicals of the decade. Century. And I feel like you can learn more from Hamilton just by listening to it, just mm. by the nature of the work. Whereas, like, I feel like with your Evan Hansen, you probably like need to be there because it's not all. Yeah. In the soundtrack, oh, I have pretended to know so much about it. <laughs> and this is like me confessing like to the world. I don't know anything about Dear Evan Hansen. It's, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I have missed it. What's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love, and why would they be surprised? Um, well, my favorite show is Company. Mm-hmm. And this usually surprises people because um, I really like love big plots and whatnot mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah. kind of a non-plot <laughs> thing yeah. and I'm normally like uh, you know like skeptical or just like mm-hmm, at like oh man is sad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lonely that's like that's like something I'm normally very like okay yeah I'm bored with and you know it's my favorite show <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know just contradictory in that way I guess what do you have thoughts or feelings about the the London version where they uh gender swap the main character to be a woman I think that's amazing because <laughs> I think that's why I like the show is because it is so universal mm. and it could apply to like literally any person um and so anything they can do to, you know, feature that in the casting, I think is just wonderful. Yeah. So. I'm interested to see it because I have, like, the opposite reaction kind of to right. the idea. I kind of feel like this is a man show. Like, mm. it's, it's you know, written for a, a man going through this at this point in his life. Right. Um, there should just be another show, you know, written about a woman. Oh, true. But, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how it actually, I actually experience it, so. Yeah. To be continued on that. I feel that <laughs> way in film a lot. Yeah. Um, like, I, yes, I saw the Ghostbusters, and, mm-hmm. like, I saw the Oceans movie, and I loved every second of it, but yeah. then I kind of walked out thinking, like, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of, like, women screenwriters who could have just like written an even better movie Mm -hmm. it's like a new movie and it's not the female this thing it's just like a new thing yeah it's hard because it's like yes there should be you know female ghostbusters and female whatever they do in the oceans movies i don't even know they crime they do crimes they steal things (laughs) yeah there should be there should be female criminals but then they end up getting like shoehorned into these um male stories so um and they don't necessarily reflect a, a new experience but for sure yeah you know we'll mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how company turns out um well great well let's get to our topic which is the women of rogers and hammerstein what's your background with well this? i think about it a lot uh-huh <laughs> um because 
I find that in any Rodgers and Hammerstein show, I just go on such a roller coaster with the mm-hmm. female characters in particular. And, you know, going through their canon, it just kind of gets more, the up and downs become more extreme. Yeah. Like with time. Um, and like, I've kind of noticed of the one re, the one like big theme that stays throughout all their shows is that like, women are great and like have agency and power and are powerful like until they fall in love mm-hmm. the man and then like now suddenly they're not right right and um oh there's the thing from showboat the can't help mm-hmm. loving that man it's like oh my gosh that just they just kept that for like 15 <laughs> years oscar hammerstein knew his his themes and yeah. <laughs> kept going with them and it, it, you know, because especially like growing up, you yeah. know, I, there are characters like it was, it was really cool to see like women like doing things, especially yeah. in a really old movie, right? Right. Um, whether that's you know like teaching all the little kids to sing and like mm. oh, I have confidence in sunshine, I, and then like as soon as she falls in love with the captain, it's like her character just like completely kind yeah. of changes into something less compelling. And I'm just like, why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away because yeah. I think for the time, the women are really strong. Not just the main characters as well. Yeah. I think a lot of times the supporting women will have a similar, mm-hmm. smaller stakes arc. And yeah. so then just like as a woman watching it, I don't know what you take away. It's very, it's it's so mixed. Yeah. I think sometimes when I go back and watch something really old, it's like, oh, wow, you know, the treatment of women is awful. But, like, that's it. Yeah, It's yeah. like a very, like, one-dimensional, like, turn-it-off thing. Right. <laughs> but with these particular shows, it's like, it just goes back and forth for yeah. me. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What, like, I guess, like, what do you see, um... As like I know it's when they they fall in love, but what do you see in each show as like the particular turning point, like the break in the show? Oh, the, in each show. All yeah. right, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. I find that Lori is a little bit, probably the most helpless from the beginning mm-hmm. out of all of them. But um, what's interesting about Ado Annie is her like you know, her spark, her spunk, her agency, and whatever, like, is in being a little helpless with, like, the can't say no thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Carousel, kind of the same thing with Julie Jordan, where she kind of starts helpless but has more conviction in Act 1 mm-hmm. than in Act 2, I think. Um and South Pacific, I find Nellie super compelling. Yeah. In the beginning, she's like, I'm a cockeyed optimist, this and yeah. that. And then it, it's it's like once things get serious with the male protagonist. Right, right. Um, then, like, it just, it just kind of turns for me, and they don't really get to show the same amount of spirit. Um, and in The Sound of Music, I would say the duet they sing in Act 2. After that, it's like, oh, he's just making all the decisions now, which is fine. You know, they make fine decisions. But right. um, I find Maria in Act 1 and really all of her action 
even just like prior to meeting the kids mm-hmm. as just being like so much more exciting. Well, even with the kids, she's still in the house. She's still very defiant. Yes. Like she, you know. And creative. Right. She turns those curtains into outfits. Yeah. Again, I only know the movie, so <laughs> it could be different. And I know the show is different. Um, the show is just never around to where I was so I never saw it but um yeah and she uh knows she she's supposed to use that whistle she's like no (laughs) right and it's like what I would love to see is like um even in like Carousel and Oklahoma sort of the more like creative and personality driven yeah moments that they have especially musical moments if you know they could carry that through in the relationship Mm -hmm. they that would be really cool but it kind of seems like oh once once we've found love then like yeah it's like the character dies a little bit Mm -hmm. do they have yeah do they usually have any songs after that moment the the main character the main woman thought about Let's look at Oklahoma because I'm trying to think if Lori has anything after people will say we're in love. Mm-hmm. I don't think she does. So, let's see. There's the dream ballet, but. But, like, does she sing, like, any solo songs after that? No. It doesn't look like it. It looks like the after people say we're in love, there's poor Judd is dead, lonely room. Out of My Dreams, Dream Ballet, uh, The Farmer and the Cowman, Should Be Friends. Oh my god, okay. All or Nothing, People Will Say We're in Love Reprise, so. Right. <laughs> and then Oklahoma. I don't think Nellie has one in South Pacific. Oh, Honey Bun, she does have in uh, South Pacific in the second act. Oh, okay. They do that song. Um, well, I mean, it's not a, the most character-revealing <laughs> right. song, but you know yeah. they're doing it on stage for people. Mm-hmm. But um, but she is, yeah, she's there with that, mm-hmm. um, and she sings a some enchanted evening reprise okay. at the end of Act Two before the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep, that's it. <laughs> and the sound of music is the same way, I think, as well. There's a song called An Ordinary Couple. Right. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, like, remembering this now. Is that? Yeah, that's okay. that's their um, Rodgers and Hammerstein confirmation of the main protagonist couple. Okay. Duet. And after that song, there's just basically some reprises. And we don't hear from Liesl after 16 going on 17, I don't think. I think there's a reprise. There's a reprise. Like, I guess... A pattern with the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals is that the second act is really book heavy. Yeah. And they basically just employ the reprises more than than like yeah. orig- the new songs. But even book wise, the character arc for the yeah. female protagonist kind of gets enveloped into the just whatever is happening plot wise. Larger and, story. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because I think it, you know. It is super cool that they had so many female protagonists yeah. to begin with. Right. They're all and very, like, women-focused stories in, the, yeah. in a way. I mean, Anna um, in The King and I, mm-hmm. 
you ask people like, oh, what's like a really strong like female character in mm -hmm. musicals? A lot of people will say Anna from The King and I. Yeah. Because she really stands out that way. Um, who also has a love story mm -hmm. in a way in the musical. Not as not as much as like the other ones, but right. And she has a job too. She has a job. <laughs> she is traveling on her own oh with a goodness. son. She does have some duets in the um, second act mm -hmm. along with a reprise, two reprises. Yeah. Oh. I would say, to me, she's the strongest of oh, the- Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical women. <laughs> well, for sure, and especially if you look at, like, not that like an, a person's occupation is like, you know, the measure of who right. they are, but- right. Um, in the context, like definitely, she seems to have the most like individual purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to, well, I mean, with Marie in like a close second place, probably. Um, yeah, because she was, you know, a clergy person and whatnot. I'm trying to think like how that compares to other musicals of that era, with My Fair Lady. Um. Like she does, she's the you know main character. She has mm -hmm. like a character arc, but you know as we discussed on the episode, it's mainly seen through the male gaze. She wants to open a flower shop, but right. that's an, and that's why she goes forward with this. But that kind of I gets feel lost. like it gets really downplayed. Yeah, like at the end of the day, you know. Um, like you said, like the men in the story aren't like, yay, now she can open a flower shop. It's just like, oh, yay, right. now she looks pretty at this party. I think it's interesting to compare just to media in general in mm -hmm. the 50s. Right. Which comparatively, I think musicals were doing really well uh -huh. in terms of treatment. That's true. And like well-developed like female characters. Leave it to Beaver, <laughs> programs like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the women were like very like, functionally placed right right and so like I think in musical theater there was definitely more of in-depth character in yeah women. yeah I think it's like a kind of like a function of musical theater that that yeah. had to be the case because like oh, so. um you know you ha you want to hear all the characters sing mm -hmm. a song lets you like get into more of the character yeah and you know you get you get a good actress in there you want to sing like there mm -hmm. was a lot of there were a lot of uh female stars of the era Ethel Merman Mary Martin mm -hmm. it's like you want to hear them sing so we have to write roles for them we have to give them songs and that automatically like gives them more agency because oh totally songs are do that Mm -hmm. And whereas a television show, especially like ones that are, you know, 30 minutes long, you can just focus on one character and then like everybody else is just like around Satellites. Them. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the mom. This is the dad. Like, <laughs> just like orbiting the main action. Yeah. Of the small. Uh, yeah. Like they don't have to, you don't really have to focus on the mom, you mm -hmm. know? How do we see, I guess, the change in musicals today? Like, do we see more stories of women, even if they have, like, a romance? 
Yeah. In a story, are how are they then portrayed afterwards? Are they, again, losing agency or right. continuing through with their story arc? Oh my gosh, I thought the prom did this really well. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, there is, like, a protagonist um, couple between the two girls at the high school, and the obstacle in the relationship is like acceptance and whatnot and Mm -hmm. like really um allowing them both to be their whole selves as opposed to yeah oh time to give up your arc join (laughs) mine now all right great yeah (laughs) um so that was really nice to see and especially with young people Mm -hmm. as well too um yeah. yeah, yeah. I think musicals are much better now in doing that. Well, we have um, more women writers, so that that helps. Um, the most recent show I saw was Head Over Heels before it closed, oh, and yeah. people fell in love, but nobody like then got subsumed into a longer right. story of the um, the country or the man or yeah, whatever it was. Um, Amazing thing happens in Fun Home when yeah. she falls in love, but also the story keeps going. Right, right, because it's about more than that. Like, that's a part of it, but it's yes. also about her and the father and mm-hmm. um, the, the parents and... Like, like lots of relationships, not yeah. just, like, one... It's, like, a moving relationship, like, one that keeps going versus, like... A terminal relationship, <laughs> <laughs> like a terminal illness, but falling in love. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like in those in the Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, it's like they that's what you want to see. You want to see them get together. That kind of resolves itself, like they do, and then uh, let's finish the larger story. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the yeah, whereas like something like Fun Home, you see it like, you know there's more to the protagonist's life than just that, so then the story keeps spinning on. and Even with a relationship, life keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is actually one thing I enjoy about television. Yeah, is yeah. because once, you know, the couple gets together, you now have to see how that is going to work out. Right, and how not. it plays out, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, I find that exciting. Yeah. I find the, I mean, the getting there is exciting too, but... Um, it's also very cool to just see how things keep going. I'm trying to think of other shows, relationship shows, but they don't, um, they transcend that yeah. kind of trope. Would you say Hamilton to an extent? They fall in love and get married and it keeps going. Yeah. And war keeps going and then does the, he dies. Does the female <laughs> character keep going? Um, I think she gets a good moment at the very, very end. Okay. And for that reason, I'm going to say yes. Probably could have had more. Yeah. But she does get the last word in a way, which Uh I think is, like, pretty cool. Yeah. And also is really true to life because she outlived him by quite some time. Right, right. Um, because that's... What happens when you duel people, but (laughs) (laughs) you don't get the last word on your life. Well, the band's visit is an interesting one because that was kind of, it's not a romance, but it's a relationship that happens and 
then they leave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I would say that once is the same way once, yeah. where it happens and it, we presume that their lives go on, but we right. don't get to see it. Come from away is an interesting one oh. because, I mean, that's a very ensemble show. There's no, like, main mm-hmm. protagonist in that, but there is a romance mm-hmm. um, that like gets resolved at the toward the end mm-hmm. so it does like kind of culminate in that in a way but it's part of like a larger yeah thing and like the characters are still like they have their own lives and they're kind of like coming together in this moment and then you hear how you know it plays out right afterwards but um but that's an i think that's an interesting an interesting show to look at for a lot of things. Um, Group protagonist. Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, the thing is, like, just so many musicals are based on these movies that are older that still use these kind of tropes, and it's, like, you know, like, Pretty Woman, and, um, you know, I don't even know the plot to Tootsie, but Mean Girls, and... Mm -hmm. uh, King Kong, you know, all these movies that um, Groundhog Day from a couple seasons ago, um, it's like there's that they don't leave room to evolve the, you know, the relationship aspect of a woman's journey because Mm -hmm. it's you're adapting something that's from another era that you're not changing very much because like right. that you know style of changing movies and it, while you're adapting them is not <laughs> what people do anymore it's probably also not very encouraged yeah by yeah studios and whatnot so yeah so it's like we're getting these new musicals that are older stories with right. older you know storylines and characters and, and really in the case of um green girl the lilacs mm-hmm. and um forget the name of the play that carousel is based on um lillian yes um it maybe they were like facing the same kind of thing mm-hmm. you know where it's like we have this older source material and how do you modernize it while still keeping the plot that hates women oh you know what's an interesting musical that kind of that's still like 20 years old, but doesn't mm-hmm. do that is ragtime. Oh. Because the whole storyline of Mother is her like getting mm-hmm. a, like, like the romance is over. <laughs> and like what comes after that? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, she, you know, remarries at the end, but that's not really like what we're interested right. in. What it's about. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she is another character that, like, you would think of when you think of, like, what's, a, what's like, a strong, mm-hmm. you know, female character in musical theater. Of course. Even though she doesn't have a, a name, but that's, that's <laughs> what Yale <laughs> Doctor is doing. <laughs> you have these quotes here. Oh, yeah, those are just, like, some articles I read about the topic. This one says, this is from the New York Times uh, in 1989. Um, and it says that Oscar Hammerstein wrote lyrics of enduring beauty to describe and ennoble the sorrow of this creature. 
in Can't Help Loving That Man from Showboat and What's the Use of Wondering from Carousel, Mr. Hammerstein touches on a deeply romantic and ultimately crippling belief shared by all of the musical's masochistic heroines. Using an idiom borrowed from the blues, these ballads describe falling in love as a faded and immutable event. Once a woman falls, she has lost her will, and it is irretrievable. Uh, from Laurie Weiner, New York Times. Wow. It's like dying. I know. Well, there's a whole... That's dark! <laughs> <laughs> to bring up Town, which will be coming back uh, mm-hmm. this season, um, that's like a... That's like an old myth, you know, for women. Mm-hmm. It's like you, like, love and sex equals death in a way. Yeah. And um, the death of either the death of yourself, like a physical death from yeah. um, whatever. <laughs> childbirth. <laughs> childbirth. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Hades Town will will talk about that <laughs> of aspect of relationships and I love how they how she uh compares it to the blues yeah (laughs) yeah no like actually especially because in the context of the shows like that's like the goal yeah like that's what we're working for and like rooting towards right in the heroine but if we're like if we're rooting for them to just run off a cliff. Like I don't under, I don't understand. I think that's yeah. what makes me feel so conflicted about all of these shows. Right, right. Is because I spend the first act being like, yes, and right. then it's like, oh, but this wasn't good. What? Yeah, and then <laughs> it's like, a little it disorienting. Just yeah, yeah, it's a little disorienting. Um, and this other quote is also from the Times, same article. Uh, and it's uh, talking about the relationship of Dot and George in Sunday in the Park with George by Sondheim and Lapine. Dot has no expectation of ever finding anyone she loves as much as George, but she's remarkably attuned to timing and she carefully monitors the fragility of her own self-respect. She knows when she has to move on and as she says, she tells George the words that no Oscar Hammerstein heroine could ever have uttered and actually meant. No one is you and no one can be, but no one is me, George. No one is me. We do not belong together. Um, yeah, the Dot-George relationship yeah. <laughs> is like, it's probably one of the best, I think, um, you know, theater, musical theater relationships. Oh, totally. Um that we that there is because there's just there's so much going on and they they don't literally end up together but they like kind of artistically end up together well and i what i love about that lyric so much is it feels really pointed in light of you know the rest of the discussion we've had where she is like yes i have fallen in love with you that is actually not the end of the world right goodbye now yeah <laughs> i have other things to do yeah and it's like oh wow what we're just not used to hearing that right and right in like more classic musicals right like you're you i'm me and we're just like not an us they're, like they're not yeah. like like we're just two separate people so yeah and her life goes on we know that she has a very good life. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to um, our Why Is This So Good section. Okay. 
So we are talking about It Ain't Necessarily So from Porgy and Bess, um, and a specific recording of it, um, the Ella Fitzgerald and uh, Louis Armstrong recording. Yeah. Um, so yeah, why did you pick this particular song and recording to um, talk about why it's so good? Um, so the title of this segment, you know, why is it so good? This was mm-hmm. just the first thing that came to mind because every time I hear it, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so good. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there are so many reasons why. And I think... First of all, just the structure of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, just reading it, I've never just like read the lyric sheet until you know preparing for this podcast. Yeah. And um, just the way it makes a semi-strophic situation mm-hmm. work really well with like so many verses. Yeah. And um, it also contains my favorite lyric of all time. Um, do you want me to read it? Oh yeah, okay. go for it. Oh, Jonah, he lived in the whale. Oh, Jonah, he lived in the whale. For he made his home in that fish's abdomen. Oh, Jonah, he lived in the whale. <laughs> I love that so much. It surprises me every time. Yeah. Like, I, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, every phrase like that has that little internal rhyme there. Yeah. And each one is good, but yeah, that one's the, the best. That, that, that is... <laughs> Just wow! I every time that I listen to the song, I forget that that is in there, <laughs> and then it happens, and I just scream. Yeah. And I what, why I like this recording in particular, and why this recording of Porgy and Bess mm-hmm. in particular. Um, well, one, it's just it's all in Louis and yeah, huge orchestration, and it's just it's just amazing. But there is something I think to be said for you know, like, the inspiration and material mm-hmm. from Jazz and the Blues that Gershwin used in the opera kind of, like, returning to its original setting mm-hmm. in, like, a big way. Um, I I don't know. It's like, maybe this is bad of me. I like it a lot more than the opera. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to be honest. I have... Mm-hmm. I'm much more inclined to listen to their recording than... Um, the opera, and even just simple things like some of the themes and whatnot being yeah. swung. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now I can't hear them unswung. Fought big Goliath who laid down and died. 
little David was small, but oh my. Abdomen, oh Jonah, he lived in the well. Little Moses was found in the stream. Little Moses was found in the stream. He floated on water. Till old Pharaoh's daughter, she fished him, she says, from that stream. They were ideas that were pulled from swing. Right. Put in an opera, when you put them back in the swing setting, it's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's really a lot of why. And I really also love, um, in addition to it being a blues in the performance, this particular performance, and um, to a certain extent in a lot of performances, um, the way that they play with the tonality of the third in a really meticulous way. Mm. Um, I think it's in the overture on this recording, um, but Louis will play a quarter tone, like right between the split third. Mm. And it's like, ah, (laughs) that's so good. Like that takes so much skill and yet gives a whole new like essence Mm. to the song that I find like really poignant. As opposed to just alternating between the different thirds, but just yeah. playing and right third, in the middle. Uh, the interval of the third, you mean? Yes, yes, and and the scale degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like that's like very specific, like fan trivia. Louis Armstrong, Porky and Bess. Yeah, is it a duet in the opera too, or no? Um, mm-hmm. It is just uh, one character speaking to a crowd, and so there's uh, like there's a little bit of choral work and yeah. whatnot. But I, you know, I they say that a good song is about one thing, and this is really about one thing. Mm-hmm. And like the one thing is like the Bible isn't real, <laughs> <laughs> but like here's a million ways in which it isn't real. Right, right. And I love that. It's so simple. It's like each verse is like three of the same line and then that really fun internal rhyme line. Yes. Like um, it just makes it really fun to listen to because you're not, your folk, your like rhyme part of your brain, I guess, mm-hmm. is just like focused on that one funny um, 
or like playful turn in the one line and the other lines you can just you know you know what you're hearing because you've heard it <laughs> it kind of creates an anticipation like yeah each time they start a new verse it's like right. oh what's what, this gonna be right like what what's the next example yes yeah i mean i love songs that do that too. like um i don't know for some reason um brush up your shakespeare from kiss me kate comes right. to mind as something that's just like you're just like what's the next example gonna be yeah. and what are you gonna rhyme in that one like <laughs> yeah and i i love a song that just kind of keeps going mm-hmm. and keeps going longer than you would have thought but right. the thing you know the one thing keeps expanding right particularly with rhymes like songs mm-hmm. where you think there are no more s rhymes but right. they there's more i guess <laughs> that, that's like just really delightful when yeah. it just keeps going yeah and this it, does this for me it kind of like goes to almost like a meta place like we're just we're having fun with this song like we yeah. are kind of like self-aware a little bit that it's a song and we're just gonna have fun you become in on the joke a little bit yeah yeah um, um you know let's let's make some rhymes, like, let's be fun, you know? <laughs> and it kind of, you know, it's no longer, like, moving plot in any way. We're just, like, we're just having fun for right. a second with, like, a million um, yeah. Bible rhymes, internal right. rhymes. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's also just, I love, because that's something that's so specific to musical theater. Like, yes. no other art form can lift you up by having a song in that way, like, having a, a song, like, just expand on itself for fun. Yes, if I were, like, listening to the radio and a song, like, just kept going with that yeah. kind of internal rhyme thing, I would be like, right, stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, let's move on. Yeah. The next one, why is this still happening? But when right. you're there in a When live, you're there in a room with that, it's yeah. like there's so much joy or whatever emotion, like, they want you to feel. And, yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. The overture, mm-hmm. they open with this, which I think is... Oh, and the overture to the opera, you mean? I I would I think it is also the opera, but it's definitely the Ella and Louie recording. Oh, okay. Also, which um, I think is like an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. No, I think the opera just starts with Summertime. Oh, but okay. But this, they, in the Ella and Louie, they start with this and then go into oh. Summertime. So it's like... Some small part of me <laughs> would like to think that I, they or their arranger, whoever made that decision, loves right. this song as much as I do. <laughs> and that's, that's nice. Nice. That's validating. Now I'm preaching this sermon to show necessarily ain't necessarily ain't necessarily well let's go on to our final section called something wonderful speaking of rogers and hammerstein yeah where Mm -hmm. we just kind of um talk about a show, something musical theater, a show, mm-hmm. a book, a podcast, a anything that we want to shout out to or say we're looking forward to. Really looking forward to Be More Chill. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be at the ASCAP Foundation Awards 
back in December, and Joe Iconis got the Rogers, and yeah. so they did um, a performance of Michael in the Bathroom oh, nice. there, and it was it was so good. I mean, that is that is a great song from the show. Yeah, it is a great song, and it was so cool to get to see it mm-hmm. before. Lots of people <laughs> get to see it, and before I can't afford to see it. Oh, yeah. So, because I'm sure it's going to have a lot of success, but I'm really excited about that. Because um, also, you know, the there's such a cool blend of mm-hmm. sounds going on Yeah, in that show that I'm really excited about. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love a good show about teens that like I and I feel this way about the prom and Dear Evan Hansen which I know a lot about (laughs) um any show about teens that is really like humanizing and like cool and Mm -hmm. really sympathetic I love I feel like the movies in the 80s about teens yeah (laughs) or it just did them so little justice and like so it's like we gotta (laughs) we we gotta pull through for the teens in 2019 right right um and tell their stories in a good way yeah Um. i would like to shout out the cast recording of the musical bella an american tall tale that was at playwrights horizons about two years ago um the recordings finally out. Um, it came out on February 22nd. I encourage everyone to listen to that show. Um, it is it is a wonderful, it was a wonderful show. It should be a wonderful uh, recording. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. Please write to us at scenetosong at gmail.com at any time with a comment or question about an episode, musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Follow Scene to Song on Twitter at Scene Song, as well as on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. And be sure to rate us on iTunes, review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.